Well, hi, my name is Liam Maves. I'm a junior at DePaul University studying film, creative advertising, and photography. Um, and I'm here with my partner today. Hi, my name is Noah Laramore. I am also a junior at DePaul, majoring in animation with a minor in Prad. And today we are at DePaul's Public Relations and Advertising Podcast, Adventures in Prad. Today's episode is entitled Finding Your Way. And today we're going to be talking all about um, young creatives, breaking into the creative industry, how to get your start, and some of the struggles we've had. I'm here today with Kat Ashenden. She is here from Hava Studios. Um, she is an art director, super creative, really amazing, very friendly lady. And we're just here to chat, talk about some stories, what got her into advertising, and just kind of the steps to take. So let's just start it at the top. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi. Y'all did a very nice introduction. <laughs> My name is Kat. Uh, fun fact, I'm a DePaul alumna. I graduated in 2016 which feels like yesterday, but isn't yesterday, and that's low-key terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, I'm an art director at Havas. Uh, I've been there almost just literally like five days over a year. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you, yeah, thank you. Um, really enjoying my time. I work on Bell Brands, which is like Baby Bell, Borsan, Laughing Cow, and then they're like plant-based vegan brand is called Nourish. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had a really cool product launch with them. And then I also work for National Associations of Realtors. Okay, amazing. Oh, nice. yeah. Yeah, so I guess to get into this, like you said, you've been doing this for the last little bit. Um, looking back towards the beginning of your career, like transitioning out of college, just kind of figuring it out, like walk us through that story a little bit, or at least what you're willing to share. Yeah, no, um, I went here, obviously. And I got a major in history of art and architecture, minor in Italian, and realized when I graduated, it was either get a PhD or have a veer in what my path was going to be. And I chose that option. So I found a portfolio school called the Creative Circus, uh, attended that from September 2016 to September 2018. Um, after that, there was, you know, a hot second where you're job hunting, but uh, nabbed an internship at Disney. Wow. And then <laughs> another internship at an agency called Zambezi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, LA was not for me. So I'm originally from Atlanta. So I just hopped back down to Atlanta, got a job at a tech startup where I was a designer for two years, got me through the pandemic, was really nice, and then got, you know, hit up for a job at Havas and was like, all right, we're going back to Chicago. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about what it was like getting those first two internships, especially that Disney one. Yeah, uh, funny story about the Disney one. I applied randomly on LinkedIn totally forgot that I applied (laughs) and you know out of nowhere I get this email that's like hey this is Disney (laughs) yeah it's crazy yeah and I was like oh my gosh I forgot I applied to you and uh, went through their interview process there was a minute where I was between going to Orlando and LA Um, I preferred LA so went there 
yeah. and worked there for six months uh, in their in-house. It's like an in-house agency called Yellow Shoes, and mm-hmm. it like focuses specifically on parks and resorts. Mm-hmm. But it was still really cool because I was on like the original Disney campus. Yeah. And that was just like a really awesome opportunity. Yeah. So I guess jumping off of that, looking at your transition between portfolio school, you don't have this time to work on all of these hard skills and meet people and do all these things. And then your transition into your first like real big job within that. Did you feel like prepared and ready to jump off right away? Or like what was the what was that like for you? Yeah. um, One of the good things about portfolio school that you know, you don't, I didn't get in college because I didn't have the right major at the time. Um, I was like very prepared. Mm -hmm. We had like classes going over our personal branding. So we knew exactly what we were bringing to the table. We had presentation classes, you know, there's a massive network of people who went to the creative circus. So I was really fortunate to be able to tap into that, you know, system. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that, and like working, spending the time at the portfolio school and then moving forward. Um, you know, looking at the advertising agency or the world today, there's so many different options. So there's like six month programs, there's two year programs, there's online programs, there's people who don't go to portfolio school. So looking at your own experience, do you think portfolio school is necessary when taking that step? I think portfolio school is kind of like a cherry on top of your education. Mm. And for me, it was one of those things where it was a necessity because I didn't study it in college. I had no portfolio. I had no knowledge of strategy branding, even typography. Like, there is no... I had no knowledge, so I needed it. Yeah. But I work with a ton of brilliant people who Mm -hmm. didn't go to portfolio school, so it really just depends on how prepared you feel once you leave college. I think every person's different. And I personally did a two-year program, which was helpful because I was starting at, like, level one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So having that time, like, I felt like I didn't really get into the groove of everything until the second year. So that second year was really beneficial. But I really do think it's... Mm -hmm. every person yeah yeah Yeah. so it's really just a build your own adventure kind of on that yeah Yeah. definitely Mm -hmm. what would you say uh especially considering your coworkers who might not have gone to portfolio school but still landed those jobs what were like the different things that you saw you brought like having a portfolio school background versus somebody who didn't um you know the only time i really noticed anything is if they had like no background if they just like for example happen to be a creative writing major so like you know writing headlines wasn't ever really practiced Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I can only tell if the muscles haven't been worked so I mean one of our like top Mm mid-levels didn't go to portfolio school Mm -hmm. And she's insanely talented. She's younger than I am, and she's absolutely killing it. So it really is like, as going along with the choose your own adventure thing, I can't really tell unless it's like they're starting from ground zero. Right. So I feel like as long as there's some kind of, and that that's how it is with any job, really. Like yeah. as long as there's some level of understanding, you know, there's not really that divide. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So in our class, uh, portfolio schools actually got brought up very often. And we talked about how, uh, especially back in the day, for like breaking into the Pride landscape, a lot of people were coming from portfolio schools. And that's where advertisers and people within this field were pulling um, the, a lot of their job candidates from. And so one, just like how many people do you think you see ha are coming into this field with a portfolio school experience? And then additionally, another thing we talked about is that the Pratt landscape uh, looked very um, white and then very white male. And it's because a lot of the people they were pulling from was from portfolio schools. And that was mostly like the demographic they were getting. So one, um, how many people do you see coming from a portfolio school background? And two, uh, in your time in portfolio school, was it a diverse group of students or was it like more so skewed like one demographic? I mean, I feel like in any industry, diversity can be improved upon. Um, you know, advertising, you think of the Mad Men mentality of, you know, like white man in a boardroom. Mm -hmm. So like even being a woman in the industry now, like seeing like at Havas specifically, our president and CCO is a woman. Mm -hmm. And that's so awesome. And we have a lot of really like awesome women. And I am starting to see some diversity, but I definitely think that we should support like especially like the black male demographic and the black female demographic because we while they are like getting into the industry and I am seeing more of that I think that part of the industry could definitely be worked on mm -hmm. and I think it should be something that we like you know really help out with and you know, make sure that we're focusing on that demographic. I think jumping off of that, um, looking at the grand scheme of things, now obviously so many huge events have happened that have shifted looking at racial justice and all of these things throughout our country. It seemed like a very big moment of this or almost a tipping point. I'm from Minnesota, so it's possible that my view is slightly skewed. Um, but that when everything happened with George Floyd, it felt like the conversation was almost heightened to a new level. Um, and so looking at that and your experience with being in the industry both a little bit before that and now afterwards, was there like a turning point or a switch that you saw within the industry world when that happened? Definitely. There's definitely been a switch. I feel like there are so many things that have been impacted and there are still so many places that can be improved upon. After that, um, you know, I was in Atlanta mm -hmm. when everything was happening. Absolutely. So, you know, I took part in yeah. my own protesting. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, as you I was definitely out and about. But mm -hmm. it's one of those things where now you kind of see the like, I'll call it the wokeification, mm -hmm. like post that time period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you start seeing like, come to our agency we get Juneteenth off and you know <laughs> yeah. yeah so I was trying to figure the line on that yeah, yeah. but I mean yeah. there's definitely times like at my last job my department was so small it was like me and a white man mm -hmm. and they were like ah would you like to make the diversity <laughs> post woman and it's yeah. like oh god and this I like, like breaching bad territory exactly yeah. and I yeah. have I have another friend who worked at an agency that I shall not name mm -hmm. um 
but she was asked as like a white woman to make the diversity post yeah. because it's like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah she was surrounded by white men mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where like there's definitely an attempt at a focus mm-hmm. of it and like i can see it in you know programs that they're offering mm-hmm. but i still think we're, you know, we're not even two years outside of those events. Exactly. It's still pretty fresh wounds, in my opinion. So I think there's a long way to go. We're just at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more that can be done in our industry Mm -hmm. to make it a more welcome environment for anyone, any person of color. Um, So kind of switching gears here, making a little jump. we were talking a lot about big shifts in the advertising world or just kind of in the world in general. And it seems like one of the huge or just the biggest things that have come up recently is AI. And so this is both in text generation, writing, visual generation, coming up with ideas, the lines between those things. Now, obviously, that's a lot of things to throw at you. So I guess my core question is looking in the advertising industry and with you being inside of it, have you seen any huge changes or fear or when it comes to AI? I think the biggest change is just the conversation around it Mm -hmm. and how we can utilize it to benefit our agency. You know, a lot of times we're now seeing it as like helping us make mock-ups to help our clients visualize our ideas Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of like, it's more of a, almost like a Pinterest, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, where it's just kind of like a, if I were to type this in, what would come out yeah but i'm gonna be real like i I, like ai doesn't know how to do hands yet absolutely it doesn't understand spaghetti right right so i think as far as like i know there's a lot of worry of like oh i'm gonna not have a job because Mm -hmm. of ai at least for creatives you know i can't speak on the broad scale obviously i'm not that (laughs) knowledgeable Of, of course of course but i still think there is a long way to go for mm-hmm. AI to fully be something that creatives worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw something and this might, <laughs> it was a meme mm-hmm. I saw and it was like, AI will never like take your job because that involves clients being able to describe in detail what they're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. So it's, it's things like that where I know that there is now a big movement to slow down AI, mm-hmm. but a lot of AI is stealing from other artists, right. not fully being able to interpret human emotions. Mm-hmm. And there's still so many things that haven't quite been perfected yeah. Yeah. that I don't know if we will ever have access to. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not like, I know a lot of people are worried, but I'm just not. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard both sides of the story. So it's very interesting to hear the that take on it. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of going forward a little bit further, I'm not sure if you heard about the Levi's model controversy, but it was along the lines, this is kind of linking back to the diversity topic that we were just talking about and bringing in this shorter conversation that we had on AI. But they were talking about trying to improve diversity in models and taking like client pictures and so that there would be a more widespread group of people. Now, they released a tweet roughly along the lines that was saying, um, 
we want to increase diversity, so we're going to start using AI-generated models of color in order to increase like like seeing seeing these groups of people. Um, I guess my question to you in that because it just it baffled me. It's just kind of what what are your thoughts on that? You know, I feel like there's a lot of ways that industries are trying to cut costs. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like a cheap cop-out to me. Yeah, There's so many people of color in the modeling industry that could do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to look for them. Yeah. So they're just going to create their own. Yeah. I feel like it's such, it's such a cop-out. That was, yeah, that was my take on yeah. it too. But it's, it's, it's good to hear your perspective. Yeah. So kind of looking forward, these are two... I feel like two huge cornerstones in which the advertising sphere, now looking obviously from the outside, has been shifting and changing. Looking both at AI and diversity and just like kind of the shifting landscape in general, because I feel like job markets tend to change. How do you think, with me being a young creative looking to enter this field and what's going on, um, what these things could potentially mean for me and for my peers? Um, I feel like it's one of those things where you really have to find your corner and like almost exploit it (laughs) Um, you really have to have that hunger to you know further your craft to get better and then I always say one of the most important things is that you need to be someone that people want to work with Mm -hmm. like can I curse on this yeah (laughs) I was gonna say no one wants to work with an asshole yeah like, that's the biggest thing. You want people to be excited to work with mm-hmm. you. You want to be one of the names that comes up in the room when they're deciding who to put on certain projects, when they're deciding who to work with. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, just making sure that you have a personal brand and including kindness mm-hmm. in that personal brand is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how much would you say skill and craft is weighted against interpersonal skills when uh, advertisers and companies are looking for new people to bring into the fold? So the first round you're going to get is your book. And if they're interested in your book, then they're going to find out who you are as a person. So obviously skill and thinking have a big part of that because that's going to be the way you bust down the door. Right. But another really important thing is to really grow your um, your contact list, your network. So, you know, you want to make sure that people want to reach out to you. So just making sure that you're thinking in your craft is staying current. And, you know, when you do something really exciting, update your book. When, you know, new work comes through, update your book because you never know when your copywriting teacher is gonna randomly text you about a job that you're gonna have to move to Chicago for. Mm. (laughs) And then two weeks later, you get the offer letter. Yeah, right. Speaking from personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) Is is book, portfolio book, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay. Mm That's like the the like slang term. Is yeah, your, your book. Yeah. <laughs> Show me your book. <laughs> so fancy. Um, okay, so I guess going forward, I guess it's a great a great point to jump off of. Um, with being young creatives who are you know looking at building our books and figuring out these next steps for ourselves, 
what recommendations do you have? Like, what do you look for in a book? And then a, a bit more specifically, um, what what are you looking for in a book for people who like us who are undergraduates and are looking for those entry level positions and internship positions mm -hmm. versus somebody who's like now I'm really trying to get that like starting career position. Well, Liam, I feel like this is going to be a little copy-paste for you since I have reviewed your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a big thing is consistency. So if you're doing a campaign, making sure all the typefaces are consistent across the board, making sure your color palettes are consistent across the board, you know, making sure your logo placement, everything feels cohesive in a campaign. Cohesion is very important. Um, also, diversity in thinking. Like, don't just show me a print ad. Show me how it can expand. Don't just show me, I mean, like brand acts are, brand activations are, you know, as they would say in the 2001 movie Zoolander, so hot right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I definitely think there is an importance to showing that you can work with the, I don't want to say the boring brands, but like your everyday thing. Mm -hmm. Like for every That's Doc Martens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You want to make sure you do like a Kleenex. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a big thing that I took away from school is being able to show the flashy while showing how you can make the mundane flashy. Yeah. Because every brand mm -hmm. thinks they're the best brand in the world and they deserve <laughs> that space in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And it's your job to ensure that they are in the spotlight. Think about like a couple years ago, French's was put in the spotlight because they made ice cream. Mm -hmm. Or like think about like Van Leuven makes like Hidden Valley. Mm -hmm. And like, sure, everyone loves Hidden Valley, but if you think about it, it's a sauce brand. <laughs> like, but you got to make sure that you can work both sides. Coin, yeah. yeah. So just, you know, making sure that you get your personality across, making sure that the work is delivered with just enough flash to be interesting, but not so much that you're like distracted from your work. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just consistency. Yeah, I think so. Hopping on the other side, we've uh, we talked about the two cornerstones, I guess, of entering the industry being your book and then knowing people, talking to people, kind of like getting that network going. So looking at like cold calling, cold emailing, like trying to just get to know people, take that first step. Are there any recommendations that you would give to young creatives? Well, what I did myself was LinkedIn, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, there are ways that you can, <laughs> this sounds so sketchy, but like you can try to finagle and figure out what the email addresses are of mm. certain agencies. <laughs> so it's like going to be like first last at agency.com, mm -hmm. first dot last at agency.com. Right, right. Just trying just until start, you don't just, get yeah, like yeah. a return yeah. email of like, this isn't an email address. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely like, I know I would go on LinkedIn and then try to find their website on LinkedIn, then go to their website and find their contact page. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's some sleuthing Just, yeah, you have to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. But if they're willing to take a meeting, mm -hmm. the amount of times I just sat down and had coffee with people, mm -hmm. like show, get your book around. Yeah talk yeah. to people, you know, just worm your way in wherever you can, mm -hmm. politely. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like, yeah. don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Just be like, hey, I'm about to graduate. Can yeah. you look at my book? Mm -hmm. Love to chat for coffee sometime. Like, yeah, you getting out there is going to do a lot for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
This has been a great conversation first off, but so looking looking back at yourself at the very beginning of your advertising career or when you were first taking those steps, um, what advice would you give yourself to keep at heart throughout this whole process? You're better than you think you are. I have a huge, and I still have a huge problem with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I think it started when I entered portfolio school not mm-hmm. knowing anything, that like, clueless college grad is Mm -hmm. still you know I'm not that far away from her yeah so it's like one of those things where it's like don't doubt yourself because you do have good ideas Mm -hmm. and I'm still working on that yeah I literally just did a like goal setting workshop with my creative director Mm -hmm. and we had to do our like limiting beliefs which is like the big thing that holds you back and mine was not believing I'm good enough Mm -hmm and being a people pleaser. So it's like one of those things where you have to believe in yourself. Absolutely. And just making sure that, you know, like, you know you're good. Yeah. You're gonna graduate for a reason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you weren't good, your teachers would have talked to you already. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, yeah. I hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess kind of to close this out, First off, obviously, thank you for being here. But is there anything else that you'd want to say just in general? Anything you want to shout out? Anything you'd say to young creatives? The floor is yours. Don't be afraid to be scrappy. You're going to have to teach yourself some things. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah, it's a It's a wide world of skills out there, and don't be afraid to do some digging. Yeah, yeah. In terms of teaching yourself, because, like, I had these questions when you were talking about, like, how to best prepare your portfolio. like what what are those um self-taught things or like i i talk about youtube university all the time (laughs) and so for me there's a lot that i'm like oh i'm getting all these great things from school and i thought i was like such a cool graphic designer and then i started looking at like what actual graphic design portfolios look like (laughs) and people having all these things about like brand standards and like what fonts they're using and whatnot and i'm like oh there is a whole scope of language and materials that i and skills that i do not know about that would make me more competitive so where would you recommend to like one find those things and do the research on them and and just in general like where are the places you can go to learn what you need to know to like self-teach I myself am a graduate of YouTube University and I still attend from time to time. So (laughs) don't be afraid to look up a YouTube tutorial. Man, especially when I'm like working in After Effects, I'm like, how do you make this move this way? (laughs) Like, don't be afraid to use YouTube. Um, I subscribe to Communication Arts or CA Magazine and every issue focuses on a different field. So if you can at least like get your hands on the graphics one or the animation one, whichever speak to you. Mm -hmm. That's really great for inspiration. So is, you know, Pinterest. I was literally looking at Pinterest today for billboard designs because I'm really stuck on a project right now. Um, Instagram, there are so many. I feel like the world is your oyster when it comes to inspiration, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just give a friendly Google search. How do you shift your type this way? Mm-hmm. What typefaces work with Montserrat? You know, yeah. Just is Comic Sans it. really that bad? Yes, it is. <laughs> 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 you know, it's just it's things like that. Just don't be afraid to give a good Google or look in look in a magazine, which I know is 
you know. Crazy. So outdated now. Yeah. <laughs> How dare we look at print? But no, I'm I'm a champion of bring back print and physical media. Mm-hmm. There there's so much stuff we're going to lose because it's just digital and I'm like we can be a little old. It's okay. Everything doesn't need to be in the future. Yeah. 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 I mean even like one of my coworkers got a masterclass subscription and we all turn on like Teams chats and like watch masterclass together. <laughs> so g- get your buddies together and watch the, yeah. you know, could be in Silverstein masterclass like <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of resources out there. Mm-hmm. Especially as students, just utilize whatever's given to you. Well, um I'm Liam. I'm Noah Laramore. And I'm Kat. <laughs> yeah, and this is this was uh, finding your way. Thank you once again so much for being here and yeah. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Of course. Thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Pride. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>
but uh, especially in the like job market that we have right now, I need to take a much more competitive approach to building my skill set, coming in with a base skill set, uh, and coming in with a vision that makes me really stick out and make people want to um, invest some time in me. Yeah, I think jumping and looking on the other side of that is part of it definitely is getting those hard skills and being willing to put in the time. But something that Kat had talked about was the fact that no journey is streamlined and that you're going to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and that there's going to be a lot of steps in between. Um, and trying to trust yourself in that process, I think is something that really stuck out to me. I, I think that's, that's all interesting, especially as I talk to my parents and my mom uh, will keep bringing up grad school and she's like, yeah, we're going to have to figure out grad school for you and how you're going to pay for that because we're going to move into a new financial paradigm if you go that route. And it's interesting because Kat talked about going to portfolio school afterwards and that's what really prepared her to really tackle the job market and to get into it and set herself up in that way. And so one, like grad school being sort of a similar opportunity to portfolio school, but also like being very different. I know that um, the energy my parents are coming up when they suggest grad school is that you took undergrad to learn art, that's all good and well. Take grad school to learn business so you can merge those two things and make some money. Uh, and so like also just the different paths you can take to put yourself on that next level, whether like your portfolio was good enough straight out the gate in college. So like you went from internships to directly landing a job or you had to go to portfolio school. And then after that, that's when you landed your job or like even going to grad school and not focusing so much on the art aspect of your life, but focusing on those uh, other skills to make you employable. Mm -hmm. And I think Kat spent some time talking about, um, so she worked a couple years in a lot of positions before she was able to become an art director, before like that was able to come to fruition. And the reality being that sometimes you're gonna have to work some jobs that you don't necessarily wanna work or not as quite aligned with what you're hoping for in order to meet that end goal. And the fact being that that doesn't mean you're not gonna reach it. Um, and kind of just like, I don't know, sticking true to yourself in that process. I think it's important and an important takeaway is knowing where to get your foot in the door mm -hmm. and knowing that uh, sometimes you might have to get your foot in the door a few doors down yeah. before you can get through the one you were originally trying to go through. Um, but that can also be discouraging at the same time. And mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things I left with after the interview was sort of a sobering reality that I'm on the right path, but the path might either be longer or I'm going to have to put in more work and it's it's not being afraid of more work but it, it's been a lot of work getting to this point yeah no i i hear you loud and clear um i think another thing that cat brushed on especially with the time of life that we're at right now is just like general job uncertainty you know that that moment of transferring from graduating college into whatever that next step is for you whether like you said, that's portfolio school or grad school or a technical college or whatever exactly that means. Or if you're just trying to go straight into the market, that it's not 100% promised that when you graduate college, you'll be able to take that next step straight into the job market or that even after when you graduate that second step that you'll be able to seamlessly integrate into the job market and that you have to be willing to take steps backwards and sideways and in between to try and hit that end goal 
with the reality being that, yeah, it's going to be tough and it's going to kind of hurt along the way, but you just kind of got to buckle down and do it. Man, like, it, it, on one hand, I'm like, it's just what you got to do. And on the other hand, I, I really hate that, like, you just got to buckle down and do it. Yeah. One, one of the things my friends have uh, brought to my attention is um, I, I'm very much like a bull in that I will have my head down and I'll just be charging ahead at one thing. Uh, and in doing so, I forget to look up. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on around me. Um, and so I think that that's just enough. I think that's a whole other part that we didn't really touch on during the interview, which could really be um, the dissenting opinion is learning how to find that balance. Mm. Um, you can go as hard as you want with the work, but if you burn yourself out, you're not going to see the return that you want. Uh, you got you got to put in as much rest um, and recuperation time as much as you do putting in that work time. Yeah, no, I absolutely hear you. I feel like that that word balance is it's so key um, in that you lose productivity in the job market and the things that you want to do by only focusing on the job market that at some point, you know, taking an afternoon off to go on a walk is going to make that final thing that you produce that much better. And I feel like especially at this point in in my life, it's so difficult to separate one and the other at a lot of times, just like in that drive to be successful. But so I think that's why I appreciated appreciated Kat's um, take on it so much was that, you know, that's the reality that you're gonna you're gonna have to work hard, but also like you need to you need to take your time. For sure. Uh, I'd ask you, based on that whole interview is there one thing or more than one thing that you know you are going to integrate into your job search and your job preparation um, that you wouldn't have before yeah I think one of the key things that I'm going to take is not taking things so seriously so Kat talked about you know obviously representing yourself and showing who you are and doing those things but also that, you know, you're entering a creative industry and they want to see like how you think and what you like to do and like what makes you tick and what makes you happy and all of that. And I feel like a lot of my job search I spent trying to be as professional and put together and all of these things as possible. And that sometimes in order to really take that next step, it requires just trusting yourself and trusting the process and trusting who you are and kind of letting go. So I think that's going to be the big thing that I take away. I guess I'll go ahead and reverse that question on you. I think for me is that instead of a, a lack of seriousness, I have to hit it with a bit more seriousness. Mm. I, I've lived a life where it's like, you get me in the room and I'll outshine everybody, but I haven't been able to get myself in the room. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the struggle is coming from. So coming in with the um, intentionality and serious that's needed to get in the room so that I can finally put myself in the position where I can relax and let my best efforts and my best qualities shine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. So I think kind of just, like, summarize my thoughts on this interview. I think it was, it was very eye-opening into the next steps that we can take and along with the steps that I've already taken, kind of reflecting on those. Um, it was a good overview on inside of the industry, the way that it's changing and may continue to change. And overall, just as a creative on the outside, looking to try to enter what those next steps for me might be. Um, so yeah, very, very insightful time. Yeah, I think for me, what I'd share with other people based on the interview is one, be self-motivated, 
put it, be willing to put in that work because even if it's not the thing you were looking for, something might appear and something's a lot more likely to appear when you're just putting in that work. Uh, you get blessed like that sometimes. Other than that, uh, not only being self-motivated in like the application process, but also in perfecting your own crafts. One thing I need know I need to do is that I can critique graphic design all live long day. I don't understand, at least not at this moment, quite how to execute it correctly. So I need to go and find ways outside of school to learn those skills, because I know I have the ability to do it. It's, it's about uh, teaching myself to do it. I think to kind of close it out, my last thoughts are just, to all, to all the young creatives at home, my last thoughts are keep on pushing forward. Remember to have fun and stop in the process. And that there's a lot of different ways to learn, a lot of different steps you're going to take along the way, and that it's not going to be a one-course a one path. So believe in yourself and have a good time while you're doing it. Um, I'd like to thank whoever's listening at home. Thank you so much for tuning in, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.